0: Down the 2020-21 Premier League season is moving forward. We are just days away from the first day of Premier League fixtures this season. And it's a really exciting season in my view. I think this is going to be a really entertaining season. We are going to have a real title challenge, I think, this season. I think Liverpool and Manchester City will be right there. Chelsea have reloaded. Manchester United have made a move with Donny van de Beek. Arsenal are reloading. Spurs should be a little bit better than last season. Leicester are doing things. Wolves are doing things. We have movement everywhere. We have Leeds back in the Premier League. West Brom back in the Premier League. It's going to be a really exciting season. Now, today is not an exciting day. It's wet and it's windy. Not a pleasant day here in rural Ireland. However, it is preview week. So, the purpose of this week on the Two Footed Podcast brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield, is to preview the Premier League season. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I am going to go through each of the 20 teams. Today, we're starting with Arsenal, uh, ending with Crystal Palace. Be seven tomorrow, seven on Wednesday. Go through each of the teams, what they've done so far, what the outlook for the season should be, what the ambition should be, and what they still need to do. Thursday then, I'm going to do my predictions, so I'll give you my Premier League table, best and worst signings so far, best window and worst window so far, uh, prediction for manager of the year, player of the year, and young players to keep an eye on in the upcoming season. Um, Of course, this is early, because the transfer window doesn't end for another month, so things will change, and as it's my podcast, I reserve the right to change my opinion. So this is just my way too early uh, prediction week. This week, I also have an interview coming up. Uh, For me, one of the most interesting and entertaining seasons in the history of the Premier League was Middlesbrough in their first season in the Premier League, 96-97. And I have Tom Flight, author of the book, You're Joking, Aren't You?, which details that season coming on to have a chat and uh, talk about the book, talk about that season. Maybe talk about a little bit about Middlesbrough's uh, potential for getting back into the Premier League under new manager Neil Warnock. And then Friday, hopefully, Dan Rhodes is going to be on and we will do uh, previews of the first day's fixtures. If Dan's not available, um, either I'll do them by myself or I'll have someone else come with me. But that's the week. That's the plan. Um, so it should be fun. So we're going to start straight away. We're going to start with Arsenal. I like what they've done this summer, I have to say. Um, Pablo Mari and Cedric Sores confirmed transfers having been on loan last year. Neither of them massively moves the needle, but they're quality backup players. They're better than some of the incumbents who were there last season. And Mari, for example, will provide quality backup to their big money signing of the summer. Gabriel, who they brought in from Lille, it's a signing I'm really high on. I think he's going to be a tremendous fit for them him and William Saliba, who they bring back after a year on loan at Zedetti and after last year's transfer, that is the foundation for Arsenal to build a really good team off. I'm not massively keen on the Willian transfer. I think it's he's a good player, don't get me wrong. Very good player, has, was tremendous for Chelsea. Probably one of their three or four best players last season. But I I don't think he helps them jump from eighth to fourth. And therefore, I wonder if maybe they would have been better going with some of the younger players, the likes of Martinelli, the likes of Reese Nelson, the likes of Enchetti, and giving those front three minutes to those players. Now, Willian maybe moves into midfield, depending on how they set up. We'll wait and see on that one. Um, He's a good player. He improves the squad. I'm just not sure he's really the right move, but it's a wait and see thing with him. They haven't lost anybody of note. Uh, Sam Greenwood is a young, talented player who's gone to Leeds. Leeds have done a great job at snapping up a bunch of young talent. Henrik Mkhitaryan is probably the biggest name that left. Uh, he's gone to, to Roma. And the loan signing they've brought in is Danny Ceballos. It makes sense. He was there last season. He knows the system. He's comfortable in both the, the 4-3-3 and the 3-4-3 that Arteta used last year. And I assume that going into this season, he'll use both again. I think he should maybe lean towards using the 3-4-3 more often because I don't know that Arsenal have the midfield pieces. I think they've obviously tried to get uh, Thomas Partey in. That hasn't come to fruition yet. Whether it will or not, we don't know. You look through their team set up as a 3-4-3, and they've got two options in goal, Emmy Martinez or, or Bernard Leno. There's talk that Martinez could leave and Leno will be the number one. If that's the decision, that's the decision. Uh, in terms of the three centre-backs, Saliba and Gabriel will long-term be you know, part of that. Whether they start immediately remains to be seen. It's who's the third one is the big question. Now, I think Kieran Tierney might be the best option and I think he might be the best option in the middle of that three as a talker, an organiser, and a leader. That then allows you to play Bakio Soko as, Bakio Saka as a left-wing back. Right-wing back, you do have Bellerin, you do have Maitland-Niles, and you have Cedric. Bellerin may well leave, and if he does, that's fine. They still have Maitland-Niles, who so I think is going to be really, really good, and, and Cedric, who's a good player, an experienced international, been in the Premier League a long time, Knows what he's doing and will follow instruction to the letter of the law. No matter what Arteta asks him to do, he will try and do it for him. So that's a, that's, that's a good fit there. Um, they definitely need to, to move on from some of the centre-backs. Like they, li- they need to get the likes of Mustafi and probably Socrates out of the club uh, to bring down the wage bill, to bring in some money to reinvest. And if they could sell those two and get, maybe you get £25 million between the pair sell Bellerin, if you get 25 million for him, all of a sudden, there's your Thomas Partey buyout. 50 million, go and get him. You slot him into central midfield next to Danny Ceballos, and that works. And then you've got loads of good options up, up front. Now, in the 4-3-3, Tierney at left-back, I don't like any of their options as a right-back in a 4-3-3, but Bellerin is probably the best. So maybe in that circumstance, you would keep him if that's your, your base formation this year. Um. Whether they'll go with Gabriel and Saliba as a two straight off the bat, I don't know. So maybe you see a little bit more David Luiz with Gabriel. Maybe you see Pablo Mari play a little bit with Saliba and they figure it out that way. Get those two young players up to speed, two young centre-backs coming into a new league that's much more physical. It's a big ask for them, but there's lots of reason for Arsenal fans to be really, really enthusiastic about this season. I... I think Arteta has a lot to prove yet, but he did win silverware last year. And that is big for a manager to win silverware in his first, not even full season, the first half season. That's big. That sets a baseline for him. That gives him something to point to and say, well, I won that. So I've earned myself a little bit of extra rope here. I think for Arsenal, it needs to be a two-year plan. I think this year, realistically, they're not good enough for top four. Now, they do have the front three to blast their way into the top four. So maybe if the defence works, they can just kind of go into a blitzkrieg blitzkrieg mentality, a little bit like Liverpool a few years ago under Klopp, and just, you know, say, forget the defence. They're going to concede 45. We need to score 85. Let's go and do that. And they have the talent. Aubameyang's one of the very best strikers in the world. Lacazette is a sensational player at his best nicholas Pepe is is I think going to be a big big player for them this year. William and martinelli Reese Nelson loads and loads of quality loads of quality. I don't know that there's a team in the league with a better attacking group than that. I think that might be the the standout one. You can argue that other clubs have better starting threeos, but to have that kind of quality depth, I don't know that anyone matches them. Maybe Man City, maybe. Um, I think Arsenal, if sixth, fifth to sixth, I think is their range this year. And I think they should be happy with that if they do it because it's a step forward. Get another good run in the Cup, get a good run in the Europa League. And then next summer, a little bit more gravitas for Arteta, a little bit more pull, a little bit more money in the bank. You go and you add the other pieces you need. Arsenal are not far away from being a very good team, but they have to be patient. They have to accept that there's going to be errors. And these two centre-backs, Gabriel and Saliba, they're going to make errors. Young, young centre-backs always do in the Premier League, especially when they're new to the country, new to the league, new to the style of play. So you have to be patient with them. Let them get the errors out of their, their systems. It's better to have those two young centre-backs out there making mistakes than it is to have Mustafi and Louise out there making the same mistakes because these two kids will learn and get better. Those two never did. I think Arsenal... A top six finish is is well within their their reach and it should be their aim. Uh, We'll move on then to Aston Villa. Uh, Second season, the Premier League for them. Dean Smith still in charge. Last season didn't probably go the way they'd hoped after the amount of money spent, but they did finish 17th and stay up and that's the only thing that should matter to them. Uh, This summer, they seem to be taking a little bit more of a cautious approach in the transfer market. They're not overspending. They're not abandoning a target and jumping on someone else who kind of fits the profile. They've been very, very measured. I love the signing of Maddie cash. I didn't think that right back was a priority for them, but Maddie cash is really, really good and he will improve them really, really good going forward. Now they need to sort their strikers out. Um, Wesley is good, but not great. And I think he's better suited to playing in a two. He's probably better suited to being your third striker at the moment. Samata is talented, but obviously it didn't really click for him when he arrived last year. So I think they might need to look at bringing in two strikers. It does depend on the formation they're going to play. Last year, they largely went 4-3-3. I think this year we might see 4-2-3-1 or a diamond to get Grealish more central. And if they do that, that, if they go diamond, Matty Cash and Matt Target are really going to flourish because they'll have the flanks opened up ahead of them. They'll be able to get forward and they'll supply quality uh, quality ball into the box. Doing that, they need at least one, maybe two strikers and probably one more in midfield. Just a little bit more quality in midfield. Maybe a little bit more in terms of goals as well. Having John McGinn fit for the full season will be a benefit, of course. I think Marvellous Nakambe... Uh, Nakamba with a second season in the league Just a little bit more settled, a little bit more developed He'll be good Sorting out the centre-back situation Is another thing they need to focus on um, Ezra Kansa In my view is the best fit next to Tyron Mings, but he is the youngest of the options So maybe Bjorn Engel Starts the season, but I think Kanza Ends the season as the first choice And I think he ends it in the England squad as well I think he's one that Villa fans Should be really, really excited by well, as excited as you can get a bit of young centre-back. Um, the goalkeeper situation is the last thing they probably will need to address. And I, I like Tom Heaton. I've always liked Tom Heaton, but he's 34. He's coming off a bad injury. It might not be a bad thing to go and look for a new goalkeeper. They've been linked with Emmy Buendia. They've been linked with Romero from um, Manchester United. I think that's something they'll do to address that position. Um, so they still have work to do. And I still think they'll be bottom half this season. But I think they'll be comfortable. I don't think they'll be in the relegation battle this year. I think there's too much talent through the squad. Um, I think we'll see a huge year from Douglas Louise. For me, he's one of the best defensive midfielders in the league. And if I was building a team for Villa, he would be absolutely one of the foundation pieces, be it as the holding midfielder in a diamond or in a double pivot or whatever way you want to use him. I think he could play for most teams in the league. I was surprised when City let him go. I'm delighted for Villa they've been able to keep him because there was uh, rumours that that City would buy him back this year. But he's a player I think everybody should keep an eye on this year. He, he'll impress. Um, so bottom half, but I think it'll be much closer to mid-table than to, to the relegation positions. Uh, next up then we have Brighton. So Brighton have been pretty busy. Uh, brought in Adam Lallana on a free from Liverpool. Brought in Joel Veltman from Ajax for 900,000, uh, Jensen Weir from Wigan for 500,000. Now I'd imagine he'll play a lot more under 23 football this year, but he's a big, big talent. And some of the Wigan fans that I, I follow on, on social media were devastated to lose him. It's horrible what's happened to Wigan, the, 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 just having their great young talents just cherry-picked. Uh, he's the third or fourth one to land at a Premier League club and it's a big blow for them. I mean, that sets them back more than the relegation. To lose those young players sets them back more than the drop because those young players could have got them back up this year. Um, without them, I think they're going to struggle in League One. But for Brighton, love Graham Potter. I think he took over and has done a tremendous job in keeping them quite comfortable in the league last season while changing the style, changing the principles of the team from what we'd seen under Chris Hughton. I think they still need a couple of pieces. I, I love what they've got at centre-back, and I'm guessing they're going to play a back three because tying Ben White down to a long-term deal and having Lewis Dunk there also tied down to a long-term deal and Adam Webster that they brought in last summer for quite a large sum of money on a long-term contract, that to me indicates a back three. Um, then you've got the likes of Joel Veltman and um, Dan Byrne who can you know fill in as, as depth. You've got Tariq Lamptey as a really good, promising attacking right back, right wing back. They'll need a left wing back. I think that's probably one of their two biggest needs. Maybe the two only needs. They've got a lot of quality in midfield. I mean, if, we, if we're if we being honest, they've got a lot more quality than most of the teams around them. Alzate is good. Davy Proper is very, very good. I really, really like um, Yves Basima. I think he's a quality player. You add Lalana into that mix. You've still got Pascal Gross, who's a good player. There's a lot of talent there. Jason Malumbi, um, who's been on loan for them a couple of years. Um, he's one I like, and he's just gotten um, his first Ireland cap. So he's going to come into this season on a high and want to establish himself. He may go on loan, but he's one to have around, I think. Alexis McAllister is going to be one of my breakout stars for the year. I think he's immensely gifted. It was a huge coup for them to get him. And I think that's a really good signing, uh, a, a really good thing that they've done there to you know bring him in last year. I think we'll see a lot more of him this year. Up front is, is where I've got question marks. I like Neil Mapey. I like Troussard. But I don't know that there's enough goals in the two of them. They've been linked with Nicolas Gonzalez from Stuttgart. And he's very, very good. But he's similar enough to those two More of an inside forward than a pure number nine. I wonder, I think they should go and buy a proper number nine. Someone more in that Glenn Murray mold. Someone who's going to be able to link everything together. Bring the other players in. Hold the ball up. That's going to be key because they'll want to play out. Someone with a bit more to to them than Glenn Murray, of course. Murray in recent years. Excuse me, Murray in recent years, of course, has declined. He's now 37. He's gone on loan. Uh, Shane Duffy's also gone on loan. But they haven't lost any starters from last season, uh, other than Aaron Moy. But Lalana and McAllister will take those minutes. Um, I think they should be really confident going into this year, I do. I think they'll be comfortably mid-table. I think they could even challenge for 10th or 9th if they get lucky. Just depending on what they do in the market. But they need to buy a left wing back. And they need to get at least one in up front. I'd probably push for two. It's not a club scared of spending money. Let's be clear on that. They spent the better part of $60 million last summer. The better part of $70 the season before. The better part of $70 the season before that as well. Brighton will spend money. So I think they'll make good moves. I really like what they've done there. I think it's a really well run club. Like I say, I love Graham Potter. I, th- I think he's got a going to be a, a top top manager. He will manage England someday. Uh, is my prediction for him. But I think Brighton are more than comfortable this year. Uh, next up then is Burnley. So they've done nothing so far in terms of incomings. Uh, they've brought in some you know some under twenty three players, but they're not going to move the needle. What they've lost is they've lost Jeff Hendrick, Joe Hart, and Aaron Lennon. Players who contributed last season. Jeff Hendrick played an awful lot for them, you know, before the lockdown and that. So he's a big blow. I, I worry a little bit about Bernie now. They won't go down. They won't even, I don't think, be in the relegation battle. But I do think they'll see a drop from last season's tenth place finish. Um they need to start spending some money. It it's that simple. There's a lot of rumors that Tarkovsky is a target for West Ham and for Leicester. If they lost him, I'd be very concerned because I don't know, like if they get 40 million for him, I think that's probably fair. I think that's about what he is, is about a 40 million pound player. Similar to, to Harry Maguire last summer, I think that's about the right price. I don't think Burnley will be able to do what Leicester did and fool someone into paying 80 million uh, for their 40 million pound centre-back. But if they get 40 million, how much of it will they give to Sean Dyche? That would be my question. And I might be the biggest Sean Dyche fan who's not a Burnley, uh, a Burnley supporter. I think he's hugely underrated. I think he's one of the six or seven best managers in the league. I think he always gets overlooked because of the style of play, but I think that's also partly to do with what he's got to work with. If you look at that Burnley team, Nick Pope is one of the best keepers in the league. Tarkovsky's one of the better centre-backs in the league. He's definitely one of the 10 best centre-backs in the league. And Dwight McNeil's one of the best young players in England. And how he's not in the England at a 21 squad, I don't know. How he wasn't up for a young player of the year, I have no idea either. Um, but they're the three that you'd look at that squad and go, they could fit in for pretty much anybody. If pretty much any team in the league got those three, they'd be really happy and they'd be improved. Like, there's a couple of teams who'll be challenging for top, top four, top six. Arsenal, for example... Um, I think James Tarkovsky would be an improvement there. If they wanted to play back three, Saliba, Tarkovsky, and Gabriel, that absolutely works all day. Uh, Tarkovsky would improve Chelsea. Pope would massively improve Chelsea. Tarkovsky would improve Manchester United. He'd improve Spurs. Um, I think Dwight McNeil, you could potentially play him left-back. Definitely as a left-wing back. So I think he'd improve Leicester. I think he'd improve Wolves. I think he could put him at Manchester United and switch the shape around a little bit if they wanted to go to this this, this talk that they want to play more of a uh, 4-3-3. He, he could fit in there as, as a left-back. Uh, Manchester City as a left-back. I think he's a really, really good player who's going to have a massive future. But my worry would be if they lose any of those, and I think it, over the next two years they're probably going to lose all of them, is how much of that money will get put back into the team. Like Pope for me brings in 30 million, Tarkovsky 40, and I think you could probably push the envelope with McNeil close to 50, but maybe you take 40. But say let's take 40, that's 110 million. How much of that money are they going to give back to Sean Dyche and say, right, there you go, go and spend? Because let's not re- forget, that they once sold Andre Gray and Michael Keane in, in one window, brought in 50 million and spent less than 20 on replacements. They do not back this manager nearly enough. Not nearly enough. He got them Europa League football and then they didn't let him spend very much money. I think Burnley will drop off. I think they will find themselves in the bottom half. They'll be safe, but I think they'll be in the Crystal Palace from last year sort of territory. And that's not good enough for for Sean Dyche. I think he will want more. And if they lose him, then Burnley will be in big trouble. Um, they definitely need help at fullback for sure. They need it. Matt Lawton's good, but they need someone younger who can overtake him. Jaden Bogle's going to Sheffield United. He would have been a great fit there, but they need to address that. I think they need to bring in at least one body, if not two, in central central defense. Someone who can challenge to start. Um and sorry, a younger player that they can develop for when Tarkovsky leaves. Um, like, a, like a Matty Pollock or somebody like that from Grimsby, 17-18. Really, really talented. Um, they, they're probably fine in central midfield. They've got three good options there. They definitely need some help out wide. Jeff Hendricks gone. Goodmanson and Robbie Brady can't stay fit. They definitely need someone to play on the opposite flank to Dwight McNeil. I wonder, could they call Spurs and see if they could get Jack Clark on loan? I'd love them to get a Todd Cantwell type, but maybe Jack Clark on loan and get him under Dyche and see if he can develop him the way he did with with McNeely. He's got the ability, and he's he's used to working hard because he played under Bielsa, so that might be a fit. And up front, I think they've got they've got three good strikers, but maybe someone who's a little bit different. You know, they've if they maybe if maybe they had like a Neil Mope, somebody of that ilk. I think that would be. Um, be a good fit for them but they, they need to make some moves the transfer market closes in a month and they have three or four needs that they need to address or they're going to be in for a tough year and I don't know that Dyche will stick around much longer Joe Worrell is the only name that's really been linked and they won't pay anywhere close to the money for him he'd be the perfect third centre-back if you've got him and Matty Pollock you're laughing, you're absolutely laughing You're sorted at centre-back for years To come They still need a younger right-back They're probably fine at left-back But they could do with that wide player as well um, It's going to be a tougher season I think for Burnley than they would have hoped And then it might get really tough uh, Chelsea then So the big spenders Big, big spenders this year Hakim Ziyech from Ajax Very good player we, we've seen him in the Champions League. We know how good he is. Timo Werner is a great get. Um, really opportunistic move. Clearly, he was on his way to Liverpool until Liverpool uh, had to pull the plug after COVID. Uh, Chelsea did did brilliantly to snap him up. Uh, he's he's going to score goals. At the very worst in the Premier League, he's Jamie Vardy. At the very worst. That's how you use him. Um, brought in ben, ben Chilwell. So, solved the left-back spot. Not the best defensively, but... Potentially great going forward. Overpay without question. He's not a £50 million footballer, but it solves a need. He's a good player. He's young. He's there the long term. Great signing, all told. Uh, Kai Havertz. Now, let me be clear. I've said before, I'm a Liverpool fan. I don't generally get jealous of other club signings. I'm very, very jealous of Kai Havertz. Very, very jealous. I think he is an outlandish talent. I think he's going to be sensational. But I don't know that he'll be sensational straight away. I don't know that Werner will be great straight away. I don't know that Zayic will settle straight away. Bringing in... My assumption is they'll play a 4-2-3-1. There's been some talk they'll play 4-3-3. I don't think they have the midfielders to play 4-3-3. I don't really think they have the midfielders to play 4-2-3-1 either, so I'll if they play 4 3 one you go with Werner up front, you go Ziyech right wing, Pulisic left wing, and Havertz is the 10. And on paper, that, that is incredible. But that's a new role for Werner that he'll have to learn. So that'll take a little bit of time. Now, he'll do it. It won't be a problem, but it'll take a bit of time. It's going to be a new style and a new system for Ziyech, and he'll have to adjust to not being part of, by far, the best team in the domestic league. That's going to be a little bit of a jolt for him. There's also questions on why he stayed in the area to visit this long. Like, why has he been there until now? Whether it's his attitude, his work ethic, I don't know. It might be nothing. It might be that he just liked it there. Who am I to say? But I'd be a little bit concerned on that. Havertz, yes, profiles as a 10, has the makeup of a 10. Absolutely. Majority of his games in his career have played, he's played in the right. There's a lot of overlap between him and Zajic and quite a lot of overlap between Pulisic and, uh, and, and Werner. So there's going to be adjustments for all four. If it clicks, it's going to be brilliant. But it's not going to click straight away. And everybody needs to just settle down, adjust their expectations. And not expect Chelsea to just blow everybody away from week one. At some point, they are going to click. Because they're, four, they're three brilliant young talents and one established, very good player. The question marks are behind them. There are question marks over those four and how long it'll take, but I think they'll work it out. But behind them, there's bigger question marks. The fullback situation, Reese James I love, Chilwell I really like. I think that's absolutely fine. That is solved for eight years. Don't need to worry about it. Let's go. Central midfield, the two best players at Chelsea in central midfield are Kante and Kovacic, and they're both really good. Kante was great. He has declined a little bit with the injuries and age. Kovacic, I think, was maybe one of the three or four best central midfielders, not attacking midfielders, but central midfielders in the league last season. But the two of them don't work as a two because the two of them are much, much better suited to playing with a sitting midfielder a Nemanja Matic type, a Fabinho type, a Rodri type, a Declan Rice type. Both of them are much better when freed to go, win the ball high up the field, break the lines with the dribble, short passing, high tempo. Playing them together is an awkward fit. You'll get away with it in most games, without doubt. You'll have too much quality going forward. But there are going to be games where that pairing just doesn't work for them. Um, the biggest questions are centre-back and goalkeeper. I've said before, I think Kep is a lot better than we've seen, but I do think he's broken. I think psychologically there's too much damage done there and there's too much damage maybe with the relationships with Lampard and with with those above Lampard. So they definitely need to address the goalkeeper situation. Um, and at centre-back, I'm just not sure of you know what to make of it all. Um, Thiago Silva is... 36 years of age really soon he has played in a PSG team where he's had a very pacey centre-back who's really good defensively playing to his right, a very pacey centre-back who's really good defensively playing to his left and one of the three or four best centre-backs in the world sat in front of him as a holding midfielder and the reason PSG did that was because he was getting exposed he cannot defend in big spaces anymore he was never great at it. He was always much better when things were compact and he had players in round him, but he was, he was a great defender in his prime. He's a great defender in small spaces still because that's easy. That's easy work. Defending in big spaces is much, much harder. And if your fullbacks are going to be Rhys James and Ben Chilwell, you're going to have massive spaces. And Chelsea were, were, were without question, the worst team in the league on transition last year. When they got countered on, they were an abomination. That's not really going to improve with this new front four because none of them are fantastic at tracking back. The two midfielders are much better when breaking out of position than they are sat as a pair. I would be concerned about Thiago Silva in the Premier League, in this team, because I think he will get exposed. Now, they could play at right back, and he'll tuck in next to him. But you're still going to have massive gulfs of space. It's still going to be problematic, and then you're going to unbalance your team. You're going to have no natural width down your right because Zayic will come in field all the time. Um, I think, I think Frank has a lot to prove. I don't think we've seen anything really from Frank to suggest he's good enough to manage Chelsea yet. But we haven't seen anything to suggest he's not good enough to manage Chelsea yet. Uh, he took it over a team that had lost Eden Hazard, but he did gain Christian Pulisic. Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, who hadn't been there the previous year. So the trade-off there is, that probably works out. You probably would say, you'd probably take those three over Hazard. So the drop-off last year, it's disappointing. It's understandable, but it is what it is. I think, I would worry for Frank if things go badly to begin with. That Roman will get a little bit trigger happy. We've seen it in the past. We've seen him sack managers who've won the league a year before. Less than a year before. Roman wants to win. And Roman's not investing his money to not win. But before Lampard took over, I said whoever goes in there needs to get three years. No matter what. Because they need to rebuild. And that's what he's doing. That's what they are doing. They're rebuilding. I think they'll get top four this year. I don't think they'll challenge for the title. I think there's too many holes, goalkeeper, centre-back, holding midfielder. And it's not to say I don't like Kante. I love Kante. He's just not a holding midfielder. He's a destroyer. And he's best when let go and do that. That's why he was great next to Drinkwater. He was great next to Matic. But he wasn't good next to Jorginho, who can't defend. And he wasn't good next to Sesk, who can't defend. So I think they still have three, maybe four needs, depending on whether you view them as needing one centre-back or two. I would say two, although I do love Ethan Ampadu. Um, I wonder if maybe he could be the answer at midfield. Maybe you said him at, center, at holding midfield. I think he could be great there. Reads the game phenomenally well. Tremendous young player. But I think Chelsea have a lot of question marks over them this year. I think they'll be really entertaining. And I do think in the long term, Havertz and Werner and Pulisic will all be stars. I think Chilwell and James will be great fullbacks. The rest I'm unsure on. The rest I'm unsure on. Um, I I would worry a little bit for Mason, Mount and Tammy Abraham, and Ruben Loftus Cheek and Callum Hudson Odoi about where they're going to get enough minutes this year. That they will get, they'll get plenty of games, but I I think that could decline as we you know get further into the season. Um loftus cheek is one that maybe should look for a loan. I think he I don't think he's gonna get a lot of minutes. He still have Ross Barkley there and, and Jorginho still there. So there's not gonna be a whole lot of minutes in centre midfield. Maybe maybe Ruben Loftus cheek should look for a loan. Um, but the Chelsea squad is very strong. They also brought in Malang Sar, we should say, but it looks like he'll go straight out on loan. Xavier Wuboamia Uh, from Barcelona B brought in a free promising defender by all accounts but he's going to be another 23's player this year. They still have a lot of work to do and my, my worry would be if they do a whole lot more this summer, that's an awful lot of players to try and shove into a team in one season. As things stand you're looking at five new starters in Silva, Chilwell Werner, Zajic and Havertz and what happens then if you buy a goalkeeper, that's six. All of a sudden you've changed half your team. That's that's really difficult to do. So Frank is going to need an awful lot of patience. He's going to need backing. not, And I don't mean financially. He's going to need, when he loses a game, he's going to need somebody on the phone to him saying, don't worry about it. Keep doing what you're doing. Building, putting in place a style, a system. Because that's the other thing we haven't really seen. What is Frank Lampard's style of play? We don't know yet. This season we should start to see more ideas of what he wants to do, how he wants to play. He needs at least, at least this season and into next season before he can be judged. That's my view on it. Unless it goes disastr- disastrously wrong and they somehow find themselves in the bottom six, they can't sack him. They have to just stay the course with him. Even if it meant finishing eighth. You're Chelsea. You'll be able to go and buy players. Even if, even if they finished eighth, seventh, sixth, whatever. Stay the course. Stick with them and see what happens. Because... You can't just buy these players and then throw them to manager who might want to play a totally different style of play. You know? Uh, lastly then for today, Crystal Palace. Speaking of teams that Ruben Loftus cheek could help, Crystal Palace, he was there before. Uh I, I like what they've done so far this year. Really like the signing of Nathan Ferguson. I think a bunch of Premier League teams, uh, specifically Burnley, missed a trick not signing him. Really like him as a fullback think he's going to be very, very good defensively. Potentially elite defensively. Um, Love the signing of Ebery Cheesy. Absolutely love it. 16 million is a bargain for a player of that talent. If Zaha stays, which it kind of appears at the moment that he will, that's really exciting. Um, They need to find a goal scorer, though. That's the biggest need, without question. And then maybe get a little bit younger in midfield and a little bit younger at centre-back. So centre-back, I would look to buy a young player, maybe someone like a Nathan Wood um, who can come in and be developed behind all the experienced centre-backs you have. Uh, someone like Loftus-Cheek in midfield or Ronaldo Vieira from Sampdoria. Someone like that to come in and just lower that average age in your team. Big questions over to Hodge this year. It's the last year of Hodgson's contracts and there's been no real talk that he's going to extend or that they want him to extend. He is now 73 years of age. Um, So how long more he'll want to carry on for remains to be seen. I suggested a while ago in an article I wrote on EPL Index that maybe they should look at Eddie Howe. And maybe they could look to Eddie Howe now, but not to bring him in as manager now. Go to him and say, look, here's a five-year contract and we're going to back you financially as we always do with our managers. We want you as our next manager when Roy retires at the end of this season. We want you to take this year as a sabbatical year. We want you to go and visit Diego Simeone, Antonio Conte, Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, uh, Sarri, whoever. Go and visit the top clubs. See what you can learn. Then go and spend some time with Sean Dyche. And then come back and spend some time with Roy. Because the big issue with Eddie Howes, his team was so unbalanced. Really exciting going forward. But not the most end product in the world. Not clinical. And poor defensively. Always very poor defensively. And I think he could learn a lot from going and seeing what other managers do. I think he's got a lot of talent. He's definitely a Premier League calibre manager. But he's got a lot of learning to do in, in between now and when he takes his next job. Um, and if Palace could line him up and then get Hodgson on board and say, look, we want to move you upstairs. We think you, with 50, 60 years or whatever, 55 years in the game, we think you can be hugely beneficial to us in a director position as a, like a fountain of knowledge. Whatever you think about Roy Hodgson as a manager, that man knows football. He knows an immense amount about football. And he has contacts all over the, all over the world all over the world. You can use his his contacts to up your scouting network. You can use his knowledge of the game to shape the club moving forward. Now, obviously, you want to modernize it a little bit, but Hodgson knows the game and can be of benefit to Palace in a director position. And if you then have a young, exciting manager in Howe, with a young, exciting defender in Ferguson and Maybe he had a midfielder, maybe add a centre-back. they have I can't think of the kid's name, and apologies to him, but they've had a left-back playing in pre-season who looks really talented. Um, easy up front, maybe you bring in another attacker. Then they can start to look to the long-term. Maybe that gets Zaha back on board, playing under Eddie Howe. And maybe he decides he doesn't need to leave. He's going to be Crystal Palace's Matt Letizia, the biggest fish in a small pond. But he's just going to be an absolute star. He's going to tear the league apart. He's going to go out every single week with the aim of embarrassing people. So Malatissia did. And I think Zaha could do the same thing. I think Palace are in for a season similar to last season. I think they'll be bottom half, but, you know, safe comfortably. They still have work to do, as I mentioned, in the transfer market, but they've made good moves. And I think... The transition from Joel Ward to Ferguson will take a little bit of time. Ferguson's still dealing with the knee. Um, the transition to getting easy in the team might take a little bit of time, but once he's in, he's going to be great. Him and Zaha together will be very, very fun to watch. If they can add a goal scorer, I'd love them to go and get uh, Rhian Brewster on loan from Liverpool. I just think he'd be a perfect fit. They could add him. There's goals all day. Add one in midfield. Palace are in a good situation. The two signings this summer, I think, are the first step towards the next era of Palace. Um, they just need to make sure that they don't double back on themselves and they don't go a certain direction and then get cold feet. But I think Palace will be comfortable this year. I, I don't see any, any real issues for them. Um, yeah, that's it. That's our six for today. So, tomorrow... Um, we'll start afresh And we'll start with Everton And work our way from there uh, Like I said Seven teams tomorrow Seven teams on Wednesday Thursday then I'll do my predictions for the league um, And Friday We'll do a preview of the weekend That Tom Flight interview Will run this week as well So there'll be six podcasts this week as well Little bonus Um For those of you that use IPTV and have got the news about the uh, ITV uh, block been put on by the Premier League, Uh, Eddie Gibbs from Liberty Shield, our presenting sponsor, was on me. That podcast came out Saturday. So do have a listen to that one. He had some really interesting things to say. And a VPN is your best way around, your block. So check out libertyshield.com. That's what they do. They're the very best in the business. Um, I might be a little bit biased on that, but I think they're the very best in the business. Um, Aside from that, do check out all the written work on EPLindex.com. Check out the EPL Roundtable podcast uh, hosted by Kevin DeVries. Launching this week on the same feed as this one, so you'll get that into your inbox as well, is our new predictions podcast, the Premier League Prediction podcast. Uh, Tadiwa from Anfield Index coming across to join us here at EPL Index. He will be joined by Dan Fitzpatrick and Jake Jackman most weeks. I think it's just Dan this week. Uh, for the first one. But they're going to basically predict every game. They'll keep score. And it'll be a bit of fun. You can play along if you want to tweet at them. And we'll keep track of that as well. Uh, maybe we'll do something on the website. Where you can uh, make your own predictions. And we can go from there. But really exciting time here for EPL Index. Hopefully hopefully you're enjoying these podcasts. And will stick with me. Um, the season's right around the corner. There's going to be more to talk about. More content really excited for this. Thank you as always for listening. Thank you to Guy Drinkle, my producer. Thank you to Liberty Shield for keeping the lights on and I will see you tomorrow. Network.